0: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And so are these fans. Boston organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down, here comes a one-two pitch. Red Sox win the World Series, five to one, the final tonight, and the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018.
1: The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. They win the World Series 4 games to
0: 1. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st
1: century with 4 world championships. Can you believe it? Welcome everybody to episode 2 of the unofficial Red Sox podcast. I am the host, The RIT. And with me is my main man, D.C. Derek Carter. D.C., what's going on, man? How you doing? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, hey. Day two is right now. Yesterday, first Red Sox game of spring training in the bag, Northeastern. was a close one, but not really. 5-3, we took it home. Man, it, it was a great game. It, it was just a great day to sit there and just see baseball. Finally, after the atrocious up-and-down offseason we had. Yeah, it's good to see him back
0: out there. I, unfortunately, didn't get to to watch any of the game. I was on daddy duty doing the uh, nursery that I should have done about eight months ago. But, uh, yeah, excited to see the team back out there. Don't mean to call myself out
1: like that, but, you know. Hey, hey, it's good. Uh, I watched the game. A lot of patience, you know. Uh, we had six walks. You know, they're they're not you know anxious to to sit there and and try to try to get strikes. So uh, a couple couple small highlights. Jaron Duran went one for two. You know, he looked he looked okay. You know, it's it's first spring training game. Can't sit there and really call it out. Uh, man, Rafaela he took a walk. You know, in his only appearance, so he he looked a little patient. That was really good. Uh, Kiki, man, he looked great at shortstop. That defense was looking pretty nice. Fli- flipped a little double play. He also took a walk. But, uh, man, Yoshida, RBI double. He drilled the ball. Looked good. The other way, too, right? The other way, yeah. You know, it it, it looked good. The game looked good. The feeling of baseball being back, man, I don't care how cold it is, spring is now in the air. I'm excited, man. I can't wait for March 30th, buddy. Oh, man, I can't wait either. And, uh, man, March 30th, March 29th, you and I, you know, Grandstand Productions sent out a little invite for us. uh, They're doing a live uh, night before opening day YouTube podcast. So they invited us on to do, you know, come on, promote us and just talk a little baseball. How, how exciting is that? I'm excited about
0: that. I'm very appreciative. Uh, it's cool that they're doing something like that. Um, something I've never been able to do. So
1: I'm very excited about that. So it just adds the excitement that I already have, you know, for that time period. Man, uh, open. I know opening day is going to be huge for us. We're going to do a live show. The day after we're, we got another podcast going to be dropping. We, we got one of your good friends. That covers the Baltimore Orioles. We're going to be talking talking the Orioles series. Man, that, that, tell us a little bit about your friend. Yeah, my buddy
0: Josh, He's uh, he's been a good friend of mine since I was a kid, probably like five years old. Um, he's a huge Orioles fan, very knowledgeable. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the show back in the day on ESPN, Stump the Schwab, but I wholeheartedly believe that if he was a little further in his life, they would be uh, they would have a show, a show called Stump to Josh because uh, that dude's unreal his sports man. knowledge not even just with baseball and across the board is is uh, impressive and I'm excited to have him on. go so had a lot of good insight. And it should be cool, to, you know, chop it up with an old friend of mine that I've grown up with throughout the years.
1: Yeah, and and it's going to be a little different, you know, we can sit there we know the Red Sox in and out uh, inside and out. Uh we you know, we know what we can sit there and look forward to in our team. But it's going to be it's going to be good to see an insight coming from man, okay, well what what do we got to look to from the other team, you know, the rotation matchups. Uh, you know, Cushman is ridiculous, you know. Um
0: they got a lot well, of young guys coming up. Oh, uh, yeah, to be very excited about Gunner Henderson, which I actually have two blaster boxes coming from Tops uh series 1 2003 series coming today. So I'm excited to open up and try to get that Gunner Henderson rookie. But uh Gray Rod, Grayson Rodriguez, Um going to be a he's going to be a force in that uh that rotation. and It'll be cool to hear how um my buddy Josh feels about him, and you know his insight as well.
1: Yeah, so the that's a little bit coming uh, next month. You know the the whole opening opening week, we shall call it a baseball season. But man, let's just let, let's let's hop into this right now. Red Sox spring training. Uh, I guess Monday is our first look we get to see at a actual Red Sox pitcher, and it's uh, they said Corey Kluber is going to go first. First off, on deck, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I'm excited. I'm excited to see where he's at. Um, We have a lot of question marks, man. We have a lot of people that haven't pitched in a while. Uh, And honestly, there could be a time in this season where we look at him as our number one guy, God forbid, if uh, Chris Sale goes down or something else works out weirdly. Um, I'm excited to see how he responds. I know he's wanted to be in Boston the last few years. I know it kind of didn't work out the way he wanted to when he went to different teams for one-year deals. but Glad that he's on our squad. It'd be a nice little veteran presence. So I'm excited to see how he comes out and uh,
1: shows off in his uh, first appearance of the spring. Man, that's one thing I, I love hearing uh, in spring training. Uh, the announcers they're talking about how these younger guys that are on the you know spring training squad they get to come and talk to the Red Sox veteran pitchers, and and not just the veterans like Sale and Kluber and Saxon, but they actually get to talk to you know. Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck, to people that have been in the league. You know, they have that experience just to get that knowledge and the help. Uh, I, I know they even said the uh, the kids over at Northeastern were, you know, after the game were over picking and talking to them. You know, that, that's, that, that's got to be one heck of a privilege to be able to face some of your uh, favorites. And, man, that starting pitcher that Northeastern had, I wonder what he was thinking when Jaron Duran was up and, you know, he looks over and sees Devers on deck. Like, man, that's got to have nerves right there. It's got to have nerves, but it's got to be real exciting. Uh, You
0: can just imagine just pitching. I mean, you never know if these guys are are fans of the Red Sox or just fans of the game. Obviously, if they're playing baseball, they most likely are fans of the game. But going against a guy like Devers, because these guys – they might never make it to the MLB, so they never had this opportunity. So this is probably very special for them. Yeah, very nerve-wracking, but uh, I'm assuming they're probably taking in every moment of that
1: and uh, just enjoying. Yeah, so uh, we're talking pitching. So let's just go to our first topic. Red Sox starting rotation. You know, there's seven people battling for five spots, but, they're, but you know, injuries happen. People go down. Next thing you know, it's next man up. So we have we have some we have a little bit of depth. I know on ITM uh, and Jerry uh podcast, they were kind of potentially making fun of the Red Sox when everyone says they had pitching depth. You know, but we got seven people battling for that starting rotation spot. So, what are your thoughts before we actually uh, pick our starting five? Like i just said before and we, we we touched on many times in the
0: first episode we have a lot of question marks a lot of things that uh could go right a lot of things that could go wrong so um i mean this this is kind of like a guessing game you know in a sense i have i have my five names but uh i mean we have people that haven't pitched in you know forever and i mean at this point james Paxson is lucky that his arms attached to his body at this point um so I'm thankful to that that he still has his arm. So I'm just gonna kind of curious how he's gonna pitch, you know, and perform for us. But uh, I'm ready to get mine whenever you are. So if you want to go first, let me know, or I can go first. It's up to you. Okay.
1: I'll, let, let's just go one through five. We We'll go back and forth. Okay, I'm pretty sure our, our our I'm pretty sure our number ones are going to be identical. If not, you're going to have to have a heck of a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, so, after number one though, it could go different ways. You never know. I, I got number one Chris Sale. Yeah, drum roll. I got Chris Sale as well. Okay. That the is if he's healthy, that is a perfect person for to lead off. Uh playoff time, it might be a little different, you know, because you gotta take your best three and maybe four to go out there. Uh, but sale, if he can return from the and injuries, with, with Chris Sale. I don't know if you
0: saw uh I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, Tom Werner, one of the owners, he actually, and I guess in a, in a roundabout way, called out Chris Sale and just said he needs to be the guy that we expect him to be. And what I loved, and we talked about it before about his fire um, and his accountability, was he took that as a compliment. And he took that as like just a motivation because he said, you know, he's right. You know, we have big dogs out there. They, the big dog has got to eat. and The big dog has got to perform. Um, so it was just cool to see that. And that just adds to the fact that I think He's going to come out and have a baller year. He's going to come out, he's going to strike guys out, he's going to be out on the mound. Hopefully, no fluke injury, injuries with the bike or you know, a, a comeback to the pitcher's mound. But uh, it's cool to see him take accountability, like I said before. So I'm excited about him. I think he's going to lead this rotation in a very effective manner, and uh, I'm excited to see him get back to the regular Chris sale that we paid for.
1: Yeah, uh, accountability you know, you and I at our jobs, accountability is not something that people step up and talk about. Chris Sale wanted to talk about it. You know, he's like, "Hey, you're paying me X amount of dollars. I haven't been able to live up to that since 2018, and I'm 100% I feel healthy. I'm ready to take on that workload again, and I think that he's going to be the number one starting pitcher in our rotation. I have a no doubt Comeback player of the year, Chris Sale.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that's very, very much
1: attainable. And I'm a – yeah, I'm fucking stoked for Chris so, Sale. N- number two, I'll let, I'll let you go first. All right, number
0: two. So, I kind of fought with this a little bit. But just because he is a veteran and he does ED innings, I'm going to go with uh, Pivetta.
1: Ooh.
0: I am going to go with Pivetta, at least to start the year. Did- I, I, I think my, my rotation could look a lot different. In June, it could look a lot different in August. It could look a lot different in September. Um, but going into the season, I think he's proved over the last few years. Well, his while his starts may be not consistent as we touched on before, uh-huh. they may not be the prettiest, but he goes after he eats innings. He'll give you a six, he'll give you a seven. Um, they may not be quality starts, but I think he's earned that right. Believe me, I, I struggled this one. I did, I did, you, but I uh
1: let me go back to my number two you're spot. You're probably right? gonna call bullshit on me. I also had Pavetta as my number two starter. Just I'll be honest. Fact, here, I, didn't, I didn't expect that. I
0: didn't expect did, that after your reaction of mine.
1: Just because of him being able to eat innings, and, and he's he's always ready to go. So my my thought was if Sale's ready to go and he's 100%, he's going to eat those innings. He doesn't want the ball taken away. Pavetta has the same mentality. He's going to eat innings. That's a great one too. Absolutely. No, and, number and th-
0: thinking back to two two post ago,
1: the oh, yeah. was our
0: guy. If you think about it, he was the best pit- when we reached ALCS. He was one of our best pitchers, if not the best. And uh, as I touched on before, he's just he's got a fiery approach to him, which I love. I love guys like that. You know, just like I said with Chris Sale. Um,
1: so I think he's earned it. Exactly. No, number three, I sit there and was thinking, I'm like, man. Who do I go for number three? But I'm like, man, you, you got a veteran, you got a guy that eats innings. And if you're having a three-game series with the Red Sox, let's sit there and, and at least for the beginning part of the season, Bayo. Bayo's my number three. You you don't the, the people don't know him yet. So he's at least for the first couple months of the season, they gotta sit there and 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 learn him, you know. The, the, there's not a lot of footage for him out there. He didn't have that many starts last year. So I thought I thought Bayo would be my number three starter. So actually, that's funny you say that. I uh when I made this
0: list originally, Bayo was my number three. Um and just before the show started, um did a little extra research and I actually switched it up. And I actually uh I slotted Whitlock in as our number three starter um Ooh. just because of the consistency that he's shown whether he was in the, the bullpen or the uh the rotation as i said before i wish he was still in the or in the uh the bullpen excuse me um we did shore that up a little bit so i'm I, i'm i'm comfortable with him the rotation but i'm gonna put him as number three just due to him balling out the last two years and that's a rule five pick too and that's i believe from the yankees as well which makes it even sweeter yeah uh, so i'm gonna go whitlock with my number three but yeah, uh, I, Bale was my original number three. I'm not going to
1: lie. Yeah. Uh, actually, I have always argued with people that out of everything that Heim Bloom has done, I always sit there and said so far, I thought Whitlock was the top uh, thing he's done. He's seen talent there in the Rule 5 draft, which it's hard. It's hard to pick up a talent piece, and you got to put them on your. 26 uh, person roster and he's got to be there the whole year you know Bloom seen something in him and he was there the whole year and he turned out to be great uh no I but... agree I uh I haven't been too high in Bloom,
0: to be honest with you I know we haven't really spoke about him much and I'm sure we'll we'll deep dive into that as this show progresses but um that is definitely the one thing that I would say he did well it's a that's a that's a diamond in the rough right there, and uh, I'm very happy with how he's performed for us. And he's very versatile, and he he owns any role he's in, and that's that's what we need.
1: Yeah. So so we got the top three done. All right. So now, for my number four. It, now now hold on a minute here. You on your half, you still have Paxton, Kluber, Bayo, and Hauk. Yep. I still have Kluber, Saxton, Whitlock, and Hauk. So there's yep. only two spots left in the rotation. Who's your number four? My number four is I'm going
0: with the veteran, Corey Kluber. I expect it's not a it's it's not a role that he really has to, you know, feel any pressure. I mean he's a veteran. He doesn't really probably feel pressure, but he's in the fourth spot. So you kind of ease him into Boston. Um, he's pitching in the AL East before, as we know, so he knows what it takes. I think he'd be perfect for four. You know, he's a little older. he add that you know that veteran insight to, to all the players. You know, all the pitchers that are younger. I'm going to go with Corey Kluber.
1: Oh, okay. I, I went veteran, but I went the other route. I went Paxton, but since we're talking about early season. I went Paxton piggybacking and kind of an opener role until we see what he can do to get his arm broken in, which Heim Bloom was Heim Bloom was high on down there in Tampa, and made work. So I have, no, yeah, I have Paxton piggybacking in an opening role with Garrett Whitlock. I uh i actually
0: like that a lot i like i like thinking outside the box there you're right heim bloom was there when they started that uh that opener you know pitch him for an inning or two and then kind of just do a bullpen game the rest of the way and i think that's a really good idea To you know if if he were to be in the rotation to start the year um depending on health that would be good for him to kind of ease his way back in there build himself up he kind of takes off the pressure in spring training of trying to build himself up in the spring training where else he can build himself up to three to four innings and worry about you know Getting his pitches back down, you know, getting his legs underneath him, which is huge when you're pitching. I mean, I know yeah. you throw with your arm, but I think that's a very good idea. That's that's I didn't think about that.
1: So uh, hats off to you on that one. Yeah, AC might be giving you a call, buddy. Hey, hey, I I'll, I'll take I'll I I just don't know if it's on my resume. You know what and I mean? You know what? Shoot high, baby. Shoot high. So, but here we go. My number five. Is the other veteran, and I, I, I was like, man, a lot of people set up their rotations, one, two, three strong. I, on the other hand, you don't always get to get the pitch one, two, and three. Sometimes you, you know, you you're coming into town and you got the five, one, two. So I'm like, man, yeah. let's let's put Kluber in the five, so that way maybe a team gets Kluber, Sale, and Pavetta in the in the Five one two. And I think Kluber, like you said, he's a veteran. He's pitched in the in the East. The only thing is, which is I think it's good for us, we don't have to worry about playing the AL East as much. We we have to sit there and worry about playing every team, you know. And I think having the a veteran arm in the tail end of your rotation will sit there and help anchor the team and anchor the rotation. To where we can actually stretch out our our starting pitchers more. I can agree with that.
0: Um, and I and I wanna I did want to mention this. I meant to say this when I brought up Kluber. Um, but the reason why I put him down as far as I did in the rotation as well is he hasn't pitched a full season since 2018. So like I said, you know, you, you give him you kind of put him in a low ri- or like a low pressure role, you mm-hmm. know, let him come back, ease himself back in like i said he hasn't pitched a full season since 2018 there are injuries there he is a veteran he's getting a little older but um i like him either at four or five like you just said which leads me to my number five and my number five is brian bayo so the reason i'm going with brian bayo and i left paxton out and i left hawk out the reason i left hawk out is i think he's going to be he's going to be in the uh the bullpen that's where i think he's going to end up um I need to see more out of Paxton. I, you know, I haven't thought about the way you did. I do like the the opening, the opening starter. You know, play him for a few innings and have Whitlock come in. I think that'd be a very good idea to you know ease him into this the, the thing. I wouldn't mind seeing him come out in a, a long long relief role in the beginning of the season to kind of see how he does. You know, put him in some uh, low pressure situations. You know, and then you know, as you regress, if you get to you know May or June, and you know, with our guys. There's a lot of question marks as far as injuries. So we have the versatility to put him back into a starting role. You know, if you keep him in a long, long relief, you know, he'll still be built up um, and then kind of transition to that starting role if we ever need
1: him. Yeah. Because like uh, I said,
0: the dude's lucky, his arm's attached to his body, man, at this point. But I am rooting for him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I sit there and left kind of Hulk in the bullpen. I kind of like him there. Uh, but man, the the – I think I think the longer the season goes, we have we have with seven you know starters, we could easily slot anybody in. We, we could go for a two-week stretch of okay, we gotta get give some people some rest. Let's let's go to a six-man rotation. Do we need to? You know, we don't know. Health, that's our that's our big thing. But man, just so just to recap a little bit, my starting five is sale. Pavetta, Bayo, Saxton, Kluber. And DC, yours is? My starting
0: five would be, in a perfect world, Sale, Pavetta, Whitlock, Kluber, Bayo, and then throw Paxton on Long Relief until he can prove that he has the, uh, the help to uh, compete as a starter.
1: Yeah, so, man, similar, but slightly different. I do, I, I do like your rotation, you know Whitlock can easily go in there, and be a volatile starter, and a very important piece to the starting rotation. I just wanted to work Paxton in there slowly. That's why I did the opener to let Whitlock, you know, get the longer. Uh, Paxton can go two innings. Whitlock can sit there and lock up the next four or five. Then you bring him, bring in Martin. In the eighth, Jensen in the ninth. Nice little, nice little game piece. Yeah. So, no, I, I think either one would work, man. I, I do. I think uh,
0: on paper, I think we're 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 a lot better than people think we are.
1: Yes, especially in the rotation. Like, yeah, but, but I,
0: I understand the uh, the hesitancy and and thinking that they're going to do anything this year. I know the Red Sox. I. Uh, I did a little research and looked at some projected uh, standings and stuff like that um, in the last few weeks. And it, they're all over the place, man. I mean, a lot of them pick them last, but I think it all, it all rests on our starting organization. If we can eat those innings, if we can get to the bullpen, put them in you know positions, they succeed, you know, and hopefully our offense can help
1: them, uh, you know, score runs and uh, make them a little more comfortable when they're on the mound. Yeah. So spring training, you know, we have seven pitchers battling for five spots. But we also have two other positions, you know, that are really battling and vying for the spots on the team. Uh, one I think will be a starting job, which will be over at first base. The other is which two catchers is AC gonna gonna have on the opening day uh, roster. So let let's let's head on over first to the catcher battle. DC what are your thoughts
0: all right so just right off the top you know not doing too much digging I would say McGuire is the uh, most likely to start in my opinion um I think he has that pretty locked down just from his performance the last year after he got traded uh he showed he could man you know man home plate especially in Boston now where it gets a little confusing a little murky is uh I think you know between uh Faro and Wong if I had to choose, if it was up to me, I would go Alfaro. And the reason I go for Alfaro is when he has the opportunity to play, I think he played like 130 games for Miami back in 2019, but he hit like 256, he had a 305 on base percentage, and he also hit 18 home runs. He hits those piss missiles, man, and I think he's gonna destroy the green monster. Um, so if I, if, I, if it was up to me, would go Maguire start, Alfaro to be backup, but I think eventually throughout the season that turns into more of a platoon role. And honestly, I couldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at how kind of, you know, moves his way into the starting role, you know, gets more at bats as the season progresses. I'm just not impressed by Connor Wong yet. Um, he has, I think he's like a 213 hitter. He has one home run. Uh, we need power in our lineup. We do, we need, we need any extra power we can get and we need that from a catcher.
1: Uh, exactly. Uh, j- just a little stats just from last year. Maguire, 36 games, a, a 337 batting average, three home runs, 12 ribbies. That's not bad for, for a small sample size of 36 games. Not at all. Wong, he played 27 games, batting average, 188. One home run, seven ribbies. Man, we we need that we need that on got extra guy on base, you know. And how far is that guy, man? Alfaro for the Padres last year, eighty-two games, two forty-six batting average, seven home runs, forty RBIs. So, I sit there and I'm with you with McGuire. And Alfaro maybe making the starting opening day roster. Send send Wong back down to triple A, where he can get a little more experience, get a little bit more time under his belt. And you know, everybody's everybody's already talking about how, you know, the Mookie bets trade. But still, they're still talking about it, you know, two years later. And Verdugo's still there. I think he's gonna be here for a little while. Uh, we already traded uh Downs. You know, we DFA'd him. And he was supposed to be the star attraction in that trade. Didn't pan out to anything that we thought. Nope. I I still wish the Red Sox would have took a chance and took uh who was that pitcher that they were trying to throw in, but but he he couldn't clear a physical. Oh, I uh, oh man, I
0: uh, uh I I know what it is. I just don't want to butcher it. Yeah, oh, like, uh, any second because he he uh, I mean he's had his uh, injury issues with the the Dodgers. It's uh,
1: Grudal, not yeah. Rudolph. Yeah. Um. Well, at, at first it was supposed to be a three-way trade with Minnesota. Remember? Yeah. And I, I'm actually kind of embarrassed that I don't know
0: this because. Uh, but man, Bruce I. I that, Gratterol, that's what Gratterol, yeah, Gratterol, yeah, dude, his he's unreal when he's because he actually was about to take over for uh Kimbrough last year at the end of the season, um, but then he got hurt. But his movement on his his cut fastball, his fastball is disgusting. Um, yeah, they got it got uh, nixed because they they saw him as a starter, and then when they saw the medical, it was projecting him as more of a reliever, and that's where they got hung up. But yeah. uh, looking at, at the past years uh, bullpen issues, I kind of wish we would have just went through with the deal. We would have taken it. Um, uh, I think mean, yeah, he would have uh, been a I, huge piece. And honestly, if if we would have got him, he would be our closer right now if he would have stayed yeah. healthy and we would, we would. Yep. Yeah. I mean, not to cut you off, buddy,
1: I apologize about that, but yeah, he gets me oh, no, excited. No. But, but I, I, I sat there and think that they should, if we would have had him, you know, in there. We, we didn't need Jeter downs, especially for what it turned out, but we didn't know, you know, that hindsight at the time. And then, you know, Wong was the third piece in the trade. And I think if, you know, he should take the time, and learn from Veritech, talk to him, go back, send him because I think he, he has uh, one or two more time uh, options down the Triple A. So value that, send him back down, and let Alfaro and stuff work their way, and Maguire worked as the opening day catchers. Yeah, I'm, I'm with
0: that. I uh, if it was up to me, I would just put Alfaro right in the starting starting role. Um I'm just going to be realistic, I think he'll be the backup. I think he can uh he can take over that uh starting role over Maguire. Like I said, I think I'll move that more into a, plato- a platoon role and then probably around July, August, I could see that being Alfaro starting role.
1: Yeah. Uh I I could sit there and see that see that it being pretty close uh splitting it 82 Alfaro, 80 uh Maguire, you know. It but then again, it could end up being what's who's starting pitcher sometimes has that relationship with the catcher, you know. I I know there was there was some times that uh Vasquez you know had to had to take a seat, even though you know he had a hot bat at some points, just because of you know catcher preference, yeah. So that could that could turn out you know uh and you got to be able to call a great game behind the plate so especially
0: now with the pitch clock man
1: you got to be on exactly. you got to
0: be in line with each other you know in tune um i've seen highlights of this clock and it it goes fast man it's fast as shit and you don't have much time to get on the same page so that game planning having that relationship with the catcher between the pitcher is definitely crucial so i could definitely see that's a good point. It could change a lot of things. I'm interested to yeah. see who Chris Sale was a uh, catcher will be, if that's the case. Because he hasn't really worked with any of these people too much. You know, with being being on the IL a lot. Uh he missed a lot of time last year with I don't did he even did he have McGuire as a catcher last year? I'm assuming he did. Yeah, that might be a stupid statement. So I'll take that one back.
1: Uh I don't think he did. I, I don't think we yeah, got he got hurt. He got hurt in June or June or July, and he was out
0: after that for good. Because then he got his pinky broke yeah. and then he had the bike accident.
1: Yeah, and and we traded uh, Vasquez over to Houston, and then we traded uh, and got McGuire, and that was right close to the to the deadline. Goddamn Maguire. So thank God uh, online shopping's taken over. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Man, but next up, we're gonna sit there and we're gonna talk Doogie, little Verdugo. let's sit there and share this. Real I'll let I'll quick. let you start this one off after this. This was okay. Okay, Alex Verdugo approaches the Red Sox about an extension uh, to the uh, per the Boston Herald. So Verdugo approaches the team's leadership and made it clear he wants to stay with the Boston Red Sox. Man, there is very, very few people and few people on this team that talk about wanting to be a Boston Red Sox for life. Now we've heard that before. Uh, we've heard you know Mookie say it. We we've heard Xander say it. Vasquez say it. You know John Lester. And sometimes it just doesn't work out, but you know, let's sit there and talk Verdugo. Do you think he's worth the extension? And if so, what do you think the extension he should get would be if after this season he plays up to his potential? All right. So I'm glad you
0: put that last part in there because that also kind of that uh that confuses things a little bit so I think if we're going to extend him I think we extend him before the end of spring training and if we give him an extension I'd say four years about 13 to 16 million dollars a year the reason I say we do that now I mean personally I need to see more from him you know how I feel about him I'm gonna be a little PG you know but uh he needs a he needs to show a little bit more to myself and uh, I think he needs to show more to other fans as well I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that but if we lock him up now for 13 would be ideal four years um because he has arbitration until 2024 i believe i i think that would be a good deal because the only thing that scares me is if they wait till the end of this season he has that breakout year which would be awesome for us but that price goes from 13 to 16 million to probably 17 to 20 million a year which in the grand scheme of things shouldn't really matter much when you're the Boston Red Sox. But as you've seen over the past few years, um, I mean, I think we're not even in the top 10 payroll for this year. So uh, I think we should lock him up early, uh, maybe throw in an opt out after like the third year, you know, or whatever, if he wants something like that. But uh, if you're going to do it, do it now. It kind of goes against what I feel about him, But I uh, Lock him up now for 13 to 16, 16 mil a year for four years before he has a breakout. And then that that goes up a little bit because it's going to go up if he has a breakout year and he does what he's capable of. I just want to see that as a consistent thing. You know what I mean? Um, He can kind of disappear from the lineup for about two months. You know, I noticed he starts out hot and then, you know, June, July, maybe August. He's kind of, he kind of disappears. Then he'll pop back in. I know he's dealt with some injuries since he's been with us. Foot injury, I think, last year. Um, yeah, which look,
1: he hurt a lot. Yeah, um, well, last year he was playing injured. Uh, first two years, I mean, yeah, first two years, first two months of the season, and then once that kind of got you know worked out, he was hot the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. As long, so, I mean,
0: I say lock him up now uh, before the price goes up any higher. You know the guy you're going to get. He's going to give you a 16 for 80 RBIs. He'll hit 270. I think he could hit close to 300 if he could, if he wanted to. Um, but
1: we'll see, man. But, yeah, lock he, him up. He's, a, he, he's another guy on the Red Sox. Like, you know, we talked about earlier, talked about last week, Chris Sale. Uh, AC sit there and called him out. And he's he's ready. He, he, he's, he came to spring training. You know, he, he's running more. He's in better shape. He's, he's took, he took AC's call out to heart. And now he wants to sit there and show the fans of Boston, show the city of Boston that he is the guy that they thought he could be. One guy that uh, I hear people comparing Verdugo to is another guy that I thought was going to be here for quite some time, Andrew Benatendi. Yeah. Ben attendee just got a five year deal with the white Sox for 75. Do you think Verdugo deserves a five for 75 or do you think it should be more or less? I want to go five years. I'd go three to four years,
0: three to four years, 15 million. So 45, 60 million for three to four years. I'd be fine with that. Um, He's young. He wants to be here, which is huge, uh, especially with the way that the state of the Red Sox has been, whether we've read it in the reports or not, I think that clubhouse has been in uh, turmoil the last year. Um, you know, dealing with Bogarts, dealing with you know all the uncertainties and all that. I think locking up Devers, uh, I think Chris sale coming back, being that leader that I think he can be. Um, and if Erdugo can come in and perform because he is a fan favorite, whether I agree or not, he is
1: a fan favorite. And uh, the fact he, that he wants to be here does say something. And the, it, and it the, means a lot to the fans. The fans are always over there. Talk. He's talking back to the fans. You know, he, he's he's having a good time out there. He's having a good – he's always smiling. Like, man, he's he's kind of what, what we need. We, we need somebody out there that, you know, can represent. he's another one that – it's kind of become the face of the Red Sox, you know, behind Devers, behind Chris Sale. So, my opinion, I say lock him up five for seventy-five. You know, if he plays like he should this season. Yeah. So, another. I mean, I agree. I'm just, I'm just a year or less. Yeah. Hey. And we're talking about the city of Boston, talking about Fenway Park. Man, there is no place people would rather sit there and play. It's an amazing place. It to could be, be hard. It could be hard. It could be great. You never really know until you're there. But man, let's let's take a little clip. Let's let's listen to, to a little Fenway Park. And then let's talk some memories we have from going to the games.
0: It's hard to take it for granted. It's like such a great ballpark, such a great environment. Sometimes, like, you got to really take a step back. You you go to places where you're losing. Fans lose interest as they should. And Fenway was never like that. Gives me goosebumps, like, just... Thinking about it, first home run. And just like I remember looking back and just like kind of seeing my family, and so I just have like some of my best baseball memories there. As a visiting player, it's always nice going there. Like you always circle Fenway. I think you go to like some ballparks and you see like grown men you go out to batting practice early and just
1: like take it in. And Fenway was always up. For that to be my home ballpark, it's like
0: it's the coolest.
1: It's like awesome, man. It's great to sit there and and hear the players talk about it. You know, it's great to be a fan at the ballpark, and we're we're gonna sit there and talk about some memories that you and I had. The Fen uh, the Fenway Park atmosphere, and I I've been to a couple games of of a Fenway Park. I usually try to go once a year, you know, to a series. Uh, I I remember. My first experience going to Fenway Park. It was a night game. It was a Friday night. Uh, and it, it was kind of it was raining. Stephen Wright was on the mound. And, and I'll sit behind the bullpen, first row. I love sitting behind there. And I was like, man, why have they got a knuckleball pitcher when it's raining out there? Like, it's got to be hard for the grip. And, of course, first game I, I go to, we lose. Against the Houston Astros.
0: Fuck the Astros.
1: So, but That's I gotta say about that, I, it, it it was great because uh, birthday weekend, my birthday. We're sitting there, bottom of the ninth, uh, still a tie game. So we're going to extra innings. So I'm like, man, let's go. And there's a guy on second. David Ortiz is up. You know where I'm going with this. Big Poppy's up. He sits there and cracks the ball. You you can find the video on our YouTube channel. Just search The Pesky Podcast. Check out the video. And Ortiz hits a double. Red Sox win in extra innings. And it was a moment of history because that was David Ortiz's 600th career double. Third player to ever have 600 doubles, 500 home runs. And, of course, first battle hall of famer, Big Poppy, Mr. Boston, David Ortiz wins the game like he always did when it's clutch situations. Yeah, man, I
0: uh, I had a similar experience. Um, I'll be honest with you. I I don't remember who or how they they tied it up, um, but I want my dad, my 18th birthday, June 24th, 2008. Um, obviously it's an easy day to remember because it's my birthday. Um, but they play the Diamondbacks.
1: Gotta right love now. birthday. Gotta love birthday games. Gotta love the best, birthday games, man. Best presents
0: ever. And honestly, i without even getting teared up or anything, but because I even think about it makes me you know it makes me get teared up. Um it's hands down one of my favorite moments with my dad. My dad is my hero. My dad is my guy, my dude. If I ever need anything, I go to my dad. Um even at 32 years old to this today, I, I still go to him for everything. Um, and he, uh, we didn't grow up, you know, the wealthiest, you know, and I remember my 18th birthday, he knew how much I wanted to go to the Red Sox. I wanted to see the Red Sox in Fenway park. He he pulled some money together. And, uh, the plan was to uh, actually drive up and then stay in a hotel after the game and then drive home. But I remember, uh, we went to the game and I think they were down they were down 4 one going into the uh the eight the bottom of the eighth inning and obviously in Fenway Park in between the eighth inning, the mid eighth, they uh they play Sweet Caroline. We're sitting on the third base side and uh place is going absolutely fucking nuts. Play Sweet Caroline, they caught the bat, they uh they scored uh four They go up five four and then win the game. And we actually we parked on the other side of the monster in that little uh parking lot. remember we had a, we actually kind of got in a little argument with the guy because my dad was like we're not parking in the open we need to go underneath where there's like the the inside thank god we did because i think a couple bombs went over there um but uh after the game obviously everybody's going nuts we just you know came back in the bottom of the eighth down three runs uh we're trying to get out and we're just through the mob of people coming out the gates my dad was fucking pissed it was so funny because i was driving but uh he was mad because like people are banging on the car, you know, all that stuff, but it was a great moment. Um, and I remember, uh, just being like, let's just drive home. Like we're already, we're already awake. We're like adrenaline's pumping. Let's save that money. You know, let's put that towards another game. Um, so we actually just drove home that night, but, uh, it was a great moment for me. Um, I, I felt the atmosphere. I mean, it wasn't a playoff game, but it felt like one. And just to experience it with my dad, he's not the biggest sports fan, but he's a fan of anything I'm a fan of. So, uh, I've always been appreciative of that moment. And that would, uh, that will always sit with me probably for the rest of my life. And I'm actually excited. My wife is actually buying us tickets in the hotel. They go up to Boston here this summer. Um, you know, cause you never know how much time you have left with your loved ones. So I'm very excited about that, buddy, man. Thanks for, uh, make me think
1: of, uh, think of that. Man. Uh, bur- birthdays is where the magic happens. And, That was a great story. Like, I've only ever been to one game where they actually came back to win. Uh, It was the first game I ever took my kids to. Sunday night baseball, ESPN, Red Sox, Yankees. Oh, we were behind. We were down. Bottom of the, I think it was the bottom of the seventh. Hanley. Over the green monster, put us up. We win the game. Shut those Yankee fans up. That was great. But my uh one of my bigger memories, and to this day it baffles me. And I talk to you about it a lot. I talked to our boy John Jonathan a lot about it. Man, because it's cause it's his team. It was the Rockies. You sit there and think, I, I'm I'm first row, right behind uh the bullpen. I'm watching Chris Sale warm up, and I'm like, man, he's got a little extra zip behind there tonight. 17 strikeouts. Hell 17 yeah, 17 strikeouts. How do you have a starting pitcher, 17 strikeouts, and you lose? <laughs> the answer to that question is be the Red Sox. No. Brandon Workman. He, yeah. he, was our closer, he was our closer that year. He came in, and he was doing electric. He, he was doing great. May 14th, next thing you know, gives up a home run, and we lose. The funny part about that stat, that's the only home run he gave up all year. Only home run. He knew you were coming, big dog. Chris Sale, 17 strikeouts. Great. The only, the only the only stat that matters to me is Brandon Workman gave up how many home runs in that season one I'm like man how does that happen how like yeah and 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 I would say I'll say my one of my second favorite moment David Ortiz is is my favorite moment uh, 2020, ALDS, Game Three, I was there. Eduardo Rodriguez was pitching, and I've been the Red Sox games during it was the 21, right? Oh, 21, 21, yes, 21. And I'll chat. 2020, we, we got to forget about that season. That season didn't even happen. Yeah, I was gonna say bro. The, the, the Dodgers don't even have a real World Series championship win. But, uh, man, right, we sit yeah, there yeah. we sit there and think. I'm like, I've been to games before. It gets loud in Fenway. We all know that you you take the loudness in Fenway in the playoffs and crank it up by a hundred. It was loud. We win the whole the the whole park's vibrating shaking. the crowd's just just it's it, it's epic. And like you, I I wanted to skimp on the hotel room, so I'm like, we're pumped, let's go home. Drove home. Now, now for you listeners out there, we drove. When we say we drove home, we live in PA, so it's a good six a hour good drive. Six hours at least. Good, good six hours. So I, I had PTO and work that for the next day, but I was like, no, I'm still on this high. So I got home, I went and and went to work, told them to pull my PTO. I'm here to work. And I, I, I was up all day. Red Sox game that night, drove the rest of the night home, went to work 10 hours the next day on six pack of Red Bull and I was shaking. But I remember you texting me about that. And I remember being like, boy, you crazy. But man, who cares? The Red Sox just won the playoffs. We were we, we were two games, two wins away from the World Series. I'm
0: and not gonna going. lie. After that, we took Game One in Houston. I thought we were going. I, I and then we fell
1: apart, man. Our offense just exactly fell flat on its face. Man, Fenway Park. If, if you guys have never been to Fenway Park. You've got to go at least once. The experience. It's an amazing experience, man. To, it's just take the tour beforehand. You know, they, they they show you, show you the red seat. They let you get on top of the green monster. Uh, you get to watch some batting practice, you know, depending if there if there's an actual game that day. It, it it's an amazing park. Uh, I'm kind of excited to sit there and go back because they went and did a little modernization a little bit. The seats are still are still tight as hell, but I think that's why I, I always enjoyed sitting behind the first row behind the bullpen because you're not in the seats. Actually you're, you're on metal chairs. Yeah. So you got that elbow room, you know what I mean? Sometimes. So actually,
0: real quick, uh, quick sidebar. When I, the story I just told when I went with my dad and we sat on the uh, third base side. So we were, we were, the three and four seats in from the, the aisle. Uh-huh. Um, well, the people that were in seat one and two, they had a big old pillar that literally covered the whole plate. <laughs> wow. I remember like, there's nobody beside us, but uh-huh. like, it's Fenway Park. That was back then when uh, they were selling out every game. So like, I'm looking at my dad, I'm 18 years old. I'm at Fenway for the first time. I'm not trying to have any controversy. They're like, can you guys move down? And I looked at them, and I looked at my dad, and I was like, "We ain't fucking moving down, man. Like, if y'all want to move down, you guys can get your asses up and come over on this side." Exactly. <laughs> I remember I was so bad for them, man. They they were so mad, and they I remember they bought it from the same dude that we bought it from. We, we bought it to take us off eBay. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I. So anybody that's listening out there, just make sure you do your research on the uh, on the on the seats. Go to viewfrommyseat.com or whatever it is. Hey, if we can get a little sponsor. That'd be sweet, but uh check them out because uh, I don't want anybody going there and almost missing out on the fun like I almost did because we were two seats away from, you know, not having any visibility. And what yeah. that said, too, I did see uh, John Henry. There's a couple, I think it was like 10 or so years ago, they said Fenway Park basically had like an expiration date of like around 2025-ish.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Around there, 2035, I think it might have been. Well, I think there was, there was a report, if I'm not wrong, like last year that said or within the last year that said, that expiration date is no longer with all the, the improvements they made. Um, that part could be around for the foreseeable future, which makes me excited. I know a lot of people like a lot of like the the opposing players, especially mostly like Yankees, they kind of like shit on Fenway, you know, small, small clubhouse, stuff like that. But you're playing in Fenway park. That's, that's a piece of history. I, I view Fenway park, just like I do Wrigley um, Wrigley's on my bucket list. I've never made it out there yet, but I plan on making it, but, uh, that was amazing, man. I'm glad to hear that report that there's no expiration date as long, you know, any longer. I want to keep that, that park as long as we can. There's just so much magic and history that's happened in that park and the players that have come through there. I just don't want to let go of that yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and I know you and I, we, we always talk off the air, you know, talk personal and stuff, man. You did something that I haven't been able to do yet. You, you've been at a, at the championship parade. Yeah. Um, 2013. So it was, no, uh, what was that like?
0: <laughs> I know where you're leading me. I know where you're leading me about Mike Napoli, but hey, we'll go into it. it was awesome. Uh, I went up with my buddy. We drove from PA. I think we left at like 6 p.m. And we were staying in a hotel in Wakefield and then getting on the Orange Line, I think it was. Uh, we got to our hotel about 2 a.m. We we had our alarm set for 5 a.m. To get on the, the, the train and then head over. Um, we go over, we see the parade parade was amazing. Caught a, caught a little red Sox uh, wrist wristband from Ben Charrington, shout out Ben Charrington. Um, and then after the game, it, we, we went to a bar and we were just getting some food. Our plan was, we actually had another night at the hotel. Um, uh, but my buddy had to leave. I won't say what he had to leave for. Cause, uh, but anyway, where we were sitting at the bar, the same exact seats a mere four hours later, there was a shirtless Mike Napoli smoking cigs, guest bartending, that I could have met right in front of me. I, I, I shit you not. I know people are like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. No. Could have met him. He was right there. And I didn't get to. And I'm still salty. Ten years later. Well, nine and a half years later, I'm, I'm salty. I'm salty, man.
1: Man, sit the, there the, and the experience, like, yeah, it's always great to sit there and see, you know, the people you, you look up to, you you watch, you know, you love because they're on your team. Uh, I, I never forget the day. The first person that I've got to meet in person, you know where I'm going with this. Xander Bogarts, baby. I'm going to cry now, big dog. Player... Player appreciation. Uh, Fan appreciation day. You know, we got there early. Uh, Everybody on the field. The grass is soft, let me tell you. But, uh, man, I I got my picture taken with with Xander. Got an autographed ball. And I got my picture taken with Brock Holt. You know? So. Brock Holt, man. I love that guy. Great, great times at Fenway Park. But, man, hey, we're going to have to sit there and continue this conversation next week, brother. It's it's getting to be spring training. Games are getting coming up. So, guys, head on over to our YouTube channel. Just hit search on The Pesky Podcast. Give us a follow. Uh, Head on over to our Twitter. We are... What the heck is our, our Twitter handle? Man. At the Pesky Podcast. At Pesky underscore podcast. Give Ooh, us a follow. Bad. Make sure you sit there and tell everybody you know about us being on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, leave comments. We'll sit there and read them live on the air uh, of what you think about the episode. Give us your own thoughts. Give us your own opinions. Hit us up in the DMs. So, for my man DC, Derek Carter, right? I am the writ. Let's sit there and go socks. See you guys next week. Yeah, and
0: and if you guys have any uh, special memories you guys have with Fenway, please send them in. Share them with us. We can even have a little segment where we kind of go over fans' uh, best moments, stuff like that, if you want to interact. Send those questions in. Looking forward to them. But, yeah, great show, Josh. Appreciate
1: it. So talk to you next week here on the Pesky Podcast.